I think it may be uh, that there are many issues. Mm-hmm. You know, why is the person drinking so much? Um, how does the person act when they've had a lot of drinking towards the mate? Right. Um, you know, what is it that they're willing to do or not do? Uh, so I couldn't, I, I wouldn't say that absolutely it's a cause. I think there's a lot of different things that are possibly going on that then lead to the divorce, including that one of them is very much into drinking and the other one isn't. This week, a study looking at couples over the course of nine years reveals some patterns in drinking and marriage success. We're talking heavy drinking. Dr. Karen Sherman unravels the results of the study. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Good to talk to you. Great to hear your voice. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You can find out more information at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. Um, Okay, Karen, we are going to talk today about the impact of heavy drinking on marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Going back, a 2013 study uh, conducted by the University of Buffalo Research Institute on Addiction, published in Psychology of Addiction Behaviors, uh, they looked at 634 couples who were recently married when they joined the study, and then were examined for the next nine years. So a nice longitudinal study Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Um, If participants said that they drank five or more drinks at one time or were drinking until intoxication, this was defined as heavy drinking. Mm -hmm. At the end of nine years, researchers found that 50% of couples where only one partner drank heavily ended up divorcing. For the couples where this wasn't an issue, just about 30% divorced. Mm-hmm. So, first, how does this finding check out with your experience and uh, having conversations with uh, clients who have drinking issues? Um, I have not, in all honesty, dealt with a lot of people who have um, addictive drinking, mm-hmm. um, but the I, I will only agree to work with them if the person who has the addiction is getting some um, help for the addiction, mm-hmm. not with me, getting help, you know, for themselves, and if the partner is willing to stay um, with them while they're getting the help. Um, it's interesting, Steve, that, um, many therapists say that there are three A's where they don't think a marriage should stay together. Addictions, affairs, and abuse. Mm. I'm okay with working with people who have addiction, um, as long as they're getting this help. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you know from prior podcasts, I also feel that working on affairs can absolutely make a marriage better. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, abuse is the one that is the the absolute that you know you end the marriage. You don't sure. you don't do anything with it. So my experience, I guess, is that um, again, if one party who does not have the drinking problem feels that their partner is at least making an effort then you know there's there's a chance for the marriage mm-hmm. i can't unfortunately speak to you know from my own experience to sure. the numbers that you just uh quoted yeah no that's fair that's totally fair um okay. how much do you think this uh, is correlation and how mm-hmm. much is causation. So mm-hmm. when you look at the act, what the actual study says, quote, despite its common sense appeal, direct support for the hypothesis that excessive and problem drinking leads to divorce is in fact difficult to find. Much mm-hmm. of the research linking alcohol and separation or divorce is cross-sectional in nature, raising the possibility that the association may be due at least in part to other factors that may lead to both excessive drinking and marital instability, unquote. Okay, so again, many times we have spoken on the podcast about a correlation, mm-hmm. which basically means that when you know what one factor is doing, you can predict with some certainty what the other factor will do. Um, and I've used this example in the past, and I'll use it again because I think it's a good one. When the sidewalks on New York um, are soft, more people die of heart attacks. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that the sidewalk being soft is causing the heart attack? Well, it turns out there's another factor that the sun is so hot that it's causing both the softening of the uh, cement Mm -hmm. and heart attacks. Okay. So, you know, the authors are saying they cannot know if in fact it is the greater drinking that is causing um, the divorce rate. Um, I think it may be, uh, that there are many issues, Mm -hmm. you know, why is the person drinking so much? Um, how does the person act when they've had a lot of drinking towards the mate? Um, you know, what is it that they're willing to do or not do? Uh, so I couldn't, I I wouldn't say that absolutely it's a cause. I think there's a lot of different things that are possibly going on that then lead to the divorce, including that one of them is very much into drinking and the other one isn't. Mm -hmm. Right. We, I mean, we've talked about that before where, uh, couples, uh, where it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're on the right path or the wrong path, as long as you're on the same path. Yes. Um, Yes. And to to your point, um, when we're talking about uh, causation versus correlation, uh, this can become a bit of a chicken and an egg scenario Mm -hmm. where uh, are they drinking because other things are going wrong or are other Mm -hmm. things going wrong because they're drinking? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's, you know, unless they do a different kind of study, certainly from this study, we don't have the answer to that. It could certainly be that there are money issues, that um, there is uh, such horrible communication between the two people, that, um, you know, one of them has a lot of insecurity issues that are um, coming up. Uh, in, with negative results at work that then lead them to drink. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. 
so it's it's really hard to say just from the way they have um, revealed their results. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting thing to note is that it's the difference, as we just mm-hmm. mentioned, in drinking habits mm-hmm. where the divorce rate went up, not necessarily uh, the heavy drinking itself. It was one was a heavy drinker and the other yes. wasn't. Yes. And again, that makes sense to me on two different um, paths. One is that one person is drinking a lot and the other person is like sort of disgusted or, you know, really not happy with it, not happy with the lack of interest that the uh, drinking partner may show, uh, the lack of activity that may go on. You know, there's a lot of reasons for that they may really be displeased with uh, the inequity of it. Mm-hmm. The other thought that I have is that if they're both drinking a lot, it's like they both sort of checked out. And they are, you know, any addiction is really a way to avoid pain in something that you don't want to deal with. So if they're both doing that, then they're not really, you know, connected or in touch or, you know, with one another, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both just sort of, you know, in la-la land, so it makes total sense to me that um, it would be that if one is drinking, it's going to be more problematic than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. And and that one, to your point, that, that one didn't surprise me when I came across yeah. reading the study. Um, so this study also raises the point that people might be drinking, as we just mentioned, because they're having marriage problems mm-hmm. rather than drinking, that, that the drinking is causing the marriage problems. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Why do you think the drinking specifically might be used as an outlet with more deleterious effects when compared to, say, smoking marijuana, as the study found? I think that, um, well, in recent years, smoking marijuana is more acceptable. But um, I think that, you know, drinking is just part of our culture. You go out to a restaurant and you have a couple of drinks. Um, You've had a hard day at work and, you know, you wind down with a drink. Um, And so I think that um, it's, you know, since it's a more acceptable habit, um, for instance, you know, you said marijuana, but but let's say it was drugs, you know, Mm -hmm. heavier drugs than Mm -hmm. marijuana. Um, I think that you know, drugs would be like, oh my God, this is really serious. But you could almost like get into drinking and end up with a heavy drinking problem slowly where you don't see it coming. It starts out with, you know, a drink every night, then it's two drinks, then, you know, it just sort of slips up on you. Mm -hmm. And the initial problem is not really um, noticed as being problematic. Right. Do you, I mean, is it part partly because um, I don't want to say that people are more functioning with drinking as compared to something like marijuana or other drugs, but it seems like the reaction and the response to those uh, who drink varies much wider than those who say smoke marijuana, where you never hear of people, you know, getting. Uh, angry and violent and all that other stuff with marijuana mm. where that seems to yes, be that's a true. common thread with 
drinking. Yes, I think that that's absolutely true. It's a good point. Um, you know, I, I'm, I happen not to be a drinker, and everybody in my community loves when I finally have a drink. I'm a very cheap date <laughs> because when I drink, I become very silly and funny. Mm-hmm. But most, not I won't say most because I can't say most, but many people when they drink get ugly. They're mm-hmm. ugly drunks, and they can become nasty or violent or whatever. So um, – you know, that's certainly going to cause more marital problems. You know, me being silly and, and fun is not going to cause a marital problem. Right. Right. And, and I think that's, I mean, I guess that's the, the, I guess the point that I was trying to make is that the response to drinking seems to vary much wider than Mm -hmm. with a lot of other substances that people consume. Yes. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Yeah. And and, and to your point, um, uh, it, it's interesting because, so I like my wine, Jess doesn't drink. Um, I don't smoke. Um, but I, in college, I saw someone who I knew very well get drunk and it was the first time that I'd ever seen them get violent. And I was like, Mm. this is a, like, I saw it. It was, it was, it was like, honestly, it was very eye opening for me because they got like, really violent and, mm. um, they weren't a violent person normally. And I was like, Oh, mm. this is, this is different. This is mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. the booze talking here. Uh, yeah. it, it was, it was kind of scary, honestly. Yes. But, yes. Um, um, okay. So another point that is made about drinking habits is that while two heavily, heavily drinking partners might not lead to the same output of divorce, it might lead to a harmful environment for children. Um, Like, what would that look like? Okay. I definitely think it leads to a harmful environment for the children. So, Mm -hmm. number one, I think that um, there we do know that many times there is a biological component to somebody who drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you've got two parents both drinking heavily, I think that, you know, you likely have a predisposition biologically for the children. The other thing is, you know, before when I was talking about, well, if they're both heavily drinking, they're sort of like checked out. Well, if they're checked out, who's paying attention to the kids? And if they get, you know, I I think it's also a bad role model. Children see like, oh, you know, uh, mommy and daddy had a tough day, so they drink. And so, you know, that's what I'm going to do in the future. Not that they necessarily consciously think that, but sure. I think it sets a, a pattern. And the other thing is that, um, you know, if if it ends up that one or both of them become abusive in some form, that's certainly going to have extreme harm on the children. So it's really not a good situation at all. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes a demonstration of acceptable behavior. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. It's a role model. Right. Exactly. You know, regardless of whether or not it's, it's appropriate or acceptable or whatnot. So, um, no, I think that was a great point. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap this one up? I think what I want to say, what I was, um, a little bit surprised about when I read the study is that they said that they considered five drinks, to be somebody who drank heavily. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're being I think they're being a little bit um lenient to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think that 
if you have, let's say, three glasses of wine, okay, now I understand the list is now saying, yes, yeah, she just said she doesn't drink, so, you know, how does she know? But, um, I mean, I'm with friends who drink, um, and I am aware of their drinking habits, and I have one very good friend who realized that she had a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. And so I know really firsthand how much she drinks and what she tells me is too much, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought that that was a high number. What Mm -hmm. was your take on that? Uh, No, I I think five is a high number. I mean, uh, you know, what's interesting. I didn't really think about, I, the number was high in my head, but I didn't really put too much thought into it. But now that we're talking about it, I wonder why they didn't go with um, what is acceptable for driving purposes. Mm, where, good point. Where, um, you know, like one drink with dinner is fine or, you know, if you're a larger man, maybe two over the mm-hmm. course of an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But to your point, three, three would three would regardless of basically how big you are would would put you at like over the limit to drive, you would be intoxicated right. at that point. Right. And, and when they, and one part of their definition is intoxication. Um, mm-hmm. so it just, it just does seem a little weird that five was the number, uh, and, or the intoxication mm-hmm. when it seems like most people would hit that at two to three drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, we will wrap this one up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. It was was a pleasure as always. Thank you, Steve. Um, Before we go, I want to remind everyone that they have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. As I mentioned at the top, you can find this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And of course, you can find it on our website, hitchedmag.com where we have our full podcast archive, thousands of articles available to you for free, and a newsletter that goes out uh, each Monday um, to uh, give you a roundup of all the latest stuff that we put out. So hopefully you check that out as well. So that is going to do it. Until next time, take care, everybody.